Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Thursday afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. In the Pearl River Resort studios, visit PearlRiverResort.com. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Ceasefire text line, that's how you can be a part of the conversation at 601-879-4395. Love to hear from you as we move through the show this afternoon. We're going to start off with a guest this afternoon on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Kyle Peterson, lead college baseball analyst at ESPN, headed to the West Coast this weekend for Stanford and Texas in a Super Regional and then on to Omaha from there. Hey, buddy, it's been a while. What's up? It has. I'm well. How are you? Things are good. Um, if you had to give a grade to last weekend, and I know we always love the postseason, but I thought last weekend across all 16 sites there were great storylines and it was good. How would you grade last weekend? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think that, you know, sometimes there's a recency bias for all of us, but um, it was exciting. And. I think you need, I think it's healthy at least, to have a blend of kind of old and new and some stories you didn't see coming, um, some that have been building over the course of the year that maybe maybe all of us haven't paid enough attention to, um, Indiana State being one of those. Obviously, Oral Roberts is in it. Some surprises that, given where they were, I don't think, you know, Vandy was playing so well coming in. I don't think many saw Oregon getting out of there. Um, and then some blue bloods. They'd get out of, of kind of where they should. Um, and some that go on the road that looked at it and said, hey, maybe we should have had a chance to host. Southern Miss and Tennessee being two of them that end up getting through. So, yeah, I, I thought, I mean, we were fortunate. I was in Clemson. We had some, I mean, one incredible game, but others that were really good. And yeah, it didn't disappoint. I want to ask you about that game in particular in, in a second, but let's start kind of by bringing. Thank <laughs> you. 
postseason this year. Ole Miss not in the postseason this year, but we look up and you've got Southern Miss in another Super Regional. Scott Berry has announced his retirement after the end of the year. Even if he didn't really want to make that public announcement, he was kind of pushed to do that so that he could be celebrated at the end of the season. And now standing between Southern Miss and a trip to Omaha for this, just the second time ever is Tennessee. When you look at that series between those two teams, what, what stands out for you? Well, I think it's really even, honestly. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously Southern Miss draws Ole Miss last year, and, and it, I don't know that it mattered who Ole Miss drew the way that they were going. They, it was just a, it was kind of the season that season that you make movies out of. Um, but yet, now you got back to back years that Southern Miss is hosted at home. They've been insanely consistent. I mean, really, the whole time Scott's been there, but especially the last you know five to ten years. And they're really good again. Um, you know, it was interesting. There, there's always plenty of when there's a, a spot to where there's two two seeds or two three seeds, which is rare, but still two two seeds. Um, there's always the back and forth about who deserves to host. I think the immediate, obviously among Tennessee fans, was well, we're we're going to host. But yet, when you look at, at the balance of the year, and Southern Miss was one of the last two two or three at least that didn't host. I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think it was probably a 50-50 ball and maybe tilted a little bit towards Southern Miss, but the environment's going to be awesome. Um, obviously, Tennessee has not been a great road team, but the last two times they've been on the road, they've been a little bit better. So that's, I mean, I look forward to watching all of them, but that, that one is one that I, I look forward to sitting back and watching, maybe a little bit greater detail. So I, I was I was working, so I didn't get to hear it, but we had a listener that, and, and frankly, they pushed back a little bit uh, on some comments that they said, and again, I didn't hear it exactly, you made about Tennessee and how much Tennessee had meant to college baseball in the last year or two. And, and frankly, in SEC country, Kyle, I think there are people who have been around programs that have been good for a while that are kind of weary of the Tennessee story. So take us a little bit down that road. What, why you think what Tennessee has done, Tony Vitello is doing, has been important to college baseball, or if that's not what you said, feel free to go down a different road. Well, I, I don't remember what color my bedroom was painted, so honestly, I, I don't know exactly what I said, but I, I know <laughs> that fair. the sentiment was um, more people paid attention to college baseball last year because of the run that Tennessee had. And there's a variety of reasons why they did. And you may have issue with some of the things that, that they did. Um, but at the end of the day, what you can't argue with is math. And more people paid attention to our game last year because Tennessee was winning a ton of games and was doing it in a way that was, you know, out there and flashy. And I think in retrospect went too far sometimes. But, I mean, there's a reason that Barstool is, <laughs> is as popular as it is. Because, you know, the wow factor applies to a lot of different people. So you can look at it as good or bad. People can look at it different ways about the way that they do it. But at the end of the day, more people paid attention. And and I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Um, I think Tony would tell you that things got a little bit out of control last year at the end. And obviously what happened on the field wouldn't indicate as much. But if you watch that team this year, it's, it's, it's a different club as far as emotion and reaction and, and things that, that went over went over the line last year that really haven't this year. And, and it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, one of the rules that was put in this year, I, I think in, in significant 
part because of Tennessee last year, actually ended up benefiting Tennessee last weekend. So yeah. that's fine. I mean, I, we work in a business that, that people are, are encouraged to have opinions, and I don't expect that they always agree with mine. Well, and that's where I wanted to go next was uh, I thought the tweet that you had after the Tennessee-Clemson game was um, was – uh, I mean, w- well stated, but that's not even what I'm trying to say. I thought it was was balanced. In you understand that umpires have a hard job to do, and you're never going to belittle that profession. But the rule itself about emotion in the game, or the importance of emotion in the game, take us down that road. And and do you see the people that are in charge of college baseball maybe backtracking a little bit on some of the quick ejections? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I hope they do. And and my biggest, I mean, listen, emotion is a good thing. We all kind of know, well, I think most know when it goes too far. At least if you're watching something and and you're taking a neutral side at it. Um, and there was some times late last year that I think Tennessee went too far. I mean, Gilbert getting thrown out and Frank Anderson getting thrown out. Obviously, Jordan Beck going around and flipping the center fielder off. Should have got thrown out, but they didn't see it. So it, yeah. it, it happened plenty of times. Um, I just didn't think this was one of those cases. I mean, if if you get thrown out for that, I, I mean, I would tell you 25 years ago, you wouldn't have anybody playing. I mean, they would have run everybody. And hmm. were they John? Yes. Was there warnings issued? Yes, there were. And, and given the way that the rule is written now, and I think this is the hardest thing for umpires, is, is you know, you're judged as to whether or not you're going to go work future games in the postseason as to how you enforce the rules and what your strike zone is. And the rule is that, you know, that, I guess, by the letter of the law, was, was too much from an intimidation standpoint or unsportsmanlike standpoint. So was it called right? Yeah. I mean, you can make an argument that it was, but it's still a judgment call. Um, I just, I, I think it's tough when you throw out a kid that, I mean, they're playing the most emotional team in the country historically in Tennessee. And yet, Zane Denton didn't seem to have that big of an issue with it. And Cantarella kept running, and he went across the line, and he turned around 180 feet away and yelled something else, and they threw him out, and they suspended the next day. That that yeah. just felt that felt like it was taking it too far. And I went and found the umpires the next day and went and introduced myself and said, hey, I want to be clear. <clears throat> um, ultimately, I think you guys are put in a rough spot right now because I don't like the rule. I think it goes too far. But this is why I said what I said. Tell me what you saw. And he said just that much. Listen, he ran by, and at that point it was okay, even though we had given him a warning. And then when he got past the line, it kept going. And ultimately we thought that was that was too far. So we can disagree on stuff. It doesn't mean that like, it happens every day in life. But sometimes in sure. the world of fandom, when you disagree with somebody, they take it to a different level. And, and it probably happened a little bit in this. And you just love for umpires to have some situational awareness, right? And, and realize the moment, and and maybe I don't know. It feels like it sometimes becomes about them when it's not supposed to be. Hey, hey, thirty seconds left. Hup gets a hard break. Uh, number one has not won this thing since nineteen ninety nine when Miami do, did it. Does that change this year with Wake Forest? I mean, I think it's got a really good chance to, but I thought it did the last two years too. <laughs> so, I mean, history is is pretty apparent in this one. But Wake Forest is the best team in the country. Whether that means they're the last one standing, I guess we'll figure that out in three weeks. But they're pretty darn good. That's certainly going to be a fun ride. Have a great call out on the West Coast. We'll be watching this weekend. Thanks, Kyle. Bye, right, buddy. See you.
Kyle Peterson, college baseball analyst with ESPN. He was on the call for the Clemson Regional last weekend and uh, some of the drama they had. He's got Texas and Stanford this weekend. We'll talk more about the Super Regionals, including the one that's going to happen in Hattiesburg, Southern Miss and Tennessee, when we come back with you. Just getting started on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. with Kyle Peterson to start things off with uh, you on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Buddy, there's more drama about the Super Regional getting selected in Hattiesburg, by the way. More uh, drama? Oh, more? Beyond, just the, beyond just the back and forth between fans online? What, what have I missed? Oh, uh, our friend Wes Rucker is hot because they aren't giving him a credential that is satisfactory to him. Here's what he said. Looks like I won't be covering the Vols baseball super regional in person. Only seating option I have is one with no view of the field. I'll sit anywhere without complaint, says the guy who's complaining. But you can't cover what you can't see. Super great decision on the site, NCAA. You're such a dang joke. I mean... You could have had that same problem at Duty Noble. I'll just go ahead and tell you. There are plenty of seats up there you can't see the field from. So. And a, a communications director from Southern Miss at High West, just to clarify, your outlet applied for two credentials. We only seat one person from each outlet in the press box. All of our other credential media will have a spot in our overflow area with a live shot of the game. Safe travels and hope to see you in Hattiesburg. Mm. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is. We have limited seating. We will provide seating for one person in each. But here's another idea, by the way. There is another idea for Wes Rucker here. You can be mad and complain and and play to your audience, which he is doing. Or you can just figure out another way to do your job. I get that you don't want to sit and watch the video feed in the overflow seating area. I, I understand that. I, I would not want to do that either. So use the credential you have to move around to different places within the ballpark or get to a spot where you can see and just cover it. Just, just cover it. You know, I've never been to Lindsey Nelson Stadium but I will go out and let me tell you, if Mississippi State or Ole Miss were playing in a Super Regional there, they probably don't have the press box space for all the media that would come from State and Ole Miss. So, I mean, this is this, and USM probably had this same problem a season ago with Ole Miss coming in. And I mean, that's just that's how it works. But sometimes. nobody complains here because they understand. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at an it's image of Lindsey Nelson right now. Uh, that there, that press box does not seat any more than what Southern Miss has. There's no no zero percent chance. No way. None. I, I've been there. It's fine. 
right? I mean, it's fine. In the same way that Southern Miss's press box is fine. Nobody's got a baseball press box that's built for a football-type media coverage. They, they just don't. They're not built that way. Yeah, States would be the closest, but again, there are obstructed views all over the place in that press box. I mean, there's only like yeah, three or four seats where you get the full... Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, what are there, 20 seats available probably for media in state's third base auxiliary press box? Two two rows, 10 seats yeah. on each row? I'm just guessing. You, you've been there more than I that's have. About, that's that's going to be about right. I mean, they, they it, it, outside of, the problem is, you know, state takes up a lot of its own seats with its media relations and its track man and all that stuff going on up there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's probably 35 seats, but I would say 10 of them are taken by Mississippi, Mississippi State people. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's one of those things where people are just going to find something to complain about. Look, there were there were people who had covered college baseball in different capacities for a really long time last year that in Hattiesburg were set up in the media overflow area. They, they just were. If I, look, here's the I'll, I'll tell you this: I sat in the stands for the Hattiesburg Super Regional last year. My choice. I wanted to sit in the stands to watch that. But I had a media credential. You know what I didn't have? I didn't have a seat in the press box. And if I had wanted a seat, in the, it, it, Jack let me know when I, I got the credential. Hey, yes, you will be approved for a credential, but you're not going to have a seat in the press box. Okay, it's fine. It's all good. And, and I figured something else out because I wanted to be there and I wanted to have access to the post game. And we posted a bunch of videos and we posted a bunch of quotes and we had content from it. But I didn't need a seat during the game. But somebody did. Dwayne and Brandon says, why don't he and the other guy flip? I mean, is it? Because the other guy covers important? baseball. That's why. Mm-hmm. The other guy is actually like their baseball guy. And so he gets priority. And just tweets three games, right? I'm, yeah. What what is anybody doing up there? It's not, it's not like Ken Rosenthal's up there breaking news. What it's, it's you're covering a baseball game. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. That, that's hmm. just and then well, they, they're still so mad about the tickets. It's like, do you, it, the, the, this whole thing is so stupid. And again, I use the phrase "new money" because that they have no exactly, idea. This, this is exactly correct. This is how you know Tennessee is new money in college baseball. They have no idea what's going on. Like, you only get a certain number of tickets. That's true at, as Richard said on Monday, it's true at Pete Taylor Park. It would be true at, if Missouri was hosting a Super Regional for their 1,000-seat stadium or whatever it is. And it's true at Duty Noble with 16,000 available spots. You just get this many tickets. doesn't matter who you are. But they don't seem to understand that. And then, you know... They don't understand that, hey, baseball press boxes aren't built to hold 30-plus media. They just aren't. Nobody's is. Even states, like we just said. Ole Miss has a big press box. But there's only so much space. Yeah. And, and, and again, Wes Rucker wasn't covering college baseball in the Dave Serrano area era, was he? No, he wasn't. So just, just either go or don't, but... Don't play victim here, man. You can stay home and watch the game on TV and write the exact same story you're going to write either way. You just don't get the quotes firsthand. And it's only to 
I can't say the word. It's complaining to complain. I would use a word that starts with a B. That's all it is. There's no... And and the person that teased their reaction podcast with a gif of a broken down tractor in front of Shaq's... Um, I, I'm disappointed that Southern Miss gave them a credential at all. They should have just denied it. We'll tell you what you you told us what you think about us. Here's what we think of you. Cover it from the house. They're they're classier than that, and they even gave him a classy response despite not deserving one. But he shouldn't have been given one at all. Southern Miss needs to win this regional. By the way. Yeah, I can't tell you the number of of my friends that have said I can't wait for Tennessee to lose again in a super regional. I, I I mean, it's so funny to me the hatred that they have established. And the thing is, despite what they think, it's not because they're good. That's the thing; they're not hated because they're good. Everybody in the SEC is good. Arkansas is good. Usually, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are good. South Carolina is good. Does anybody hate South Carolina? Does anybody hate South Carolina baseball? They have two national championships, and they're very good right now. Nobody hates them. Why does everybody hate Tennessee? It's not because they're good. Yeah. Now, I do think what what Kyle Peterson was talking about a second ago is kind of the barstool effect. Like, you know, sometimes you take it too far, but there are a lot of people who like take it too far, and they pay attention to something that they wouldn't otherwise pay attention to. College baseball fans are going to pay attention to college baseball. Non-college baseball fans probably are drawn, or at least a year ago, were drawn to the spectacle that was Tennessee. They generated a lot of reaction online. They probably brought some new eyeballs to the game. And I think that's all well and good, but the the whole preachy, you don't know how to do it, this is a, a ridiculous, how dare you give a super regional to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, NCAA, you're such a joke. Well, that's kind of a joke, too. Uh, Tennessee does have a um, an ivory tower complex, uh, and and that's in every sport, right? They they think that and, and look, Tennessee is a big deal. It is a big athletics department with a big fan base and success in a lot of supports. But they're not near. If they were as good as they believe they are in everything, they would unquestionably be the best in everything in the history of the world. They are not that. They are good. They're good in most things but they're not as good as they think they are in anything. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We're glad to be with you on this, uh, what is today? Today's Thursday, Thursday Thursday. afternoon. Yes, we are a day away from the start of Super Regionals across the board and a couple of days away from it uh, beginning uh, in Hattiesburg this weekend. So the, the four Super Regionals that start tomorrow... South Carolina at Florida, Duke at Virginia, Oral Roberts at Oregon, Indiana State at TCU. And then on Saturday, you got Bama, Wake Forest, Texas, Stanford, Kentucky, LSU, Tennessee, Southern Miss. Let's walk through these and maybe even uh, make some predictions. We'll do that coming up in a bit. Up next on the Farm Bureau guest line, Jason Baker will join us. He's been a part of the broadcast for Southern Miss Baseball online throughout the year. We'll talk with him next on the Farm Bureau guest line. Talk Mississippi continues.
Jason Baker joins us now here on the Farm Bureau phone line. Go to favorites.com and go with the home team. Jason, I'm having a little, little audio trouble with Richard up there. So I know you're excited about that, though, because it means you get to talk to me and Borky instead. <laughs> Understandable, hey, Dad. And, uh, man, I'm just happy to be talking college baseball with any of you guys. Let's see if Richard, I think Richard might be be back with us. But if he's not, obviously a huge weekend uh, down in Hattiesburg, one that the, you know, this is you normally think about this time of year in Mississippi State and Ole Miss still playing baseball. Not this year. The whole focus of the state is on Hattiesburg, and we we you know we talked about it the other day on this show. A lot of support uh, around the state for, for for the Golden Eagles. What is the town starting to feel like as people are making their way into town? Yeah, I think it's I think you're dead on it, hey Dad. I think it's I think it's legitimately that right is. I think there's a lot of um, support running behind this program. I think a lot of that has got to do with Scott Barry at the moment, um, you know, and his announcement of his retirement as well. And so when you look at it from that standpoint, there's just a lot of sentimental stuff, right? I heard Richard earlier this week say, you know, he wants it for, you know, Jeremy McLean and the program and just the state of Mississippi, but solely and truly he wants it for Scott Barry. And I think that's the sentiment that's around town. I was – talking with Scott yesterday and reminded him, hey, man, these are, if we play all three games this weekend, these are the final three games Scott Berry will ever coach in Pete Taylor Park, and that alone ought to garner enough support in there. When you think about it, when you think about that and, and, you know, the emotion of that moment, you know, do you worry that the team could be overwhelmed by that? Do you worry that, hey, at, at this time, you know, they're going to have that weighing on their minds? Or are they just out there playing baseball and you feel good about their chances regardless of that emotional backdrop? I kind of have the belief that I think maybe, you know, for the week leading up to it, that kind of is a burden for the team when they're having to deal and talk with media. But, I sort of have this belief that, you know, when they get to the ballpark on Saturday, it's not like they're going to come out of that locker room and walk down to the dugout and put the bat there and say, boy, this could be Scott's last game. Like, I just think they're going to say, hey, man, it's, it's another opponent over there. The, the chips in the table are greater, but, uh, and the stakes are certainly higher. But I, I don't know that the Scott Berry situation is looming over their head. I, I know that he wouldn't want it to be like he doesn't for certain want it to be. And, my understanding, too, is, you know, the admins of the school even had to get him to make the announcement in the season. It yeah. just wasn't something he really wanted to do. And maybe for that reason, maybe he has a little nervousness about, hey, I don't want this to hang over their heads. But, you know, it, it's not like I think Danny Lynch is going to be playing that game thinking about, oh, boy, this is it for Scott Berry. I just, you know, at the end of the day, they are college athletes and, Man, their life will be thinking whether it's turkey or roast beef on the post-game meal afterwards before they're thinking about <laughs> Scott, Scott Berry's last game, right? I'm always thinking that same kind of thought, uh, Jason. I'll be totally honest with you. So what what lessons can USM draw from what happened last year? You know, we, 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 we just had Kyle Peterson on, and he said that you know it, it, the way Ole Miss was playing a season ago, it may not have mattered where they were. But what can USM take from that loss a season ago and bring it to this to the table this year and turn it into a win? I think I think the ability to draw back to the emotion of the defeat and to think about what transpired in not even scoring a run is going to have them. I, I don't want to call it press early but I think there's going to be an emphasis 
on getting some early run support for this pitching staff. I don't think they want to allow what occurred a year ago, which was your scoring opportunities really came in the last third of those ball games. And so I, I hope, and, and, and for me, you know, for wanting this for this team and this program, in my mind, that's where it goes, is that I think this team understands, hey, early support, because let's face it, those that were there know Ole Miss did a fantastic job of never letting Pete Taylor Park be Pete Taylor Park either, right? I mean, they had plenty of support from the Ole Miss side of things, but that black and gold faithful never got to get out of their seat and and cause a ruckus and create, you know, pure chaos and, you know, have the lid lifted off that place. To me, that's significant, and and I would say – you know, I think it's one of the more important factors of the weekend, you know, Tanner Hall being one of them, winning his start. But I think early run support in a ball game, you go back to the Auburn win on Saturday, Chris Sargent hits a three-run home run in the bottom of that first inning, and it looked like off and running were the Golden Eagles last Saturday over Auburn. You know, I'm not saying they got to score in the first, but I think an early run support, and it doesn't have to be a crooked number, just some kind of support for that pitcher to kind of just settle everybody in and allow that that crowd to bring the energy that they need to hey let's see if i can join the conversation now are we are we better is, is this better not not a robot anymore well i wouldn't say it's better but you are here <laughs> jason i forgive me if, if you guys talked about this i have not seen an official announcement is is tanner hall whole or, or, Good to go for Saturday, or because of the workload last weekend, does he go one day deeper? And is the fact that this starts on Saturday as opposed to Friday big for that piece of the, the, the puzzle? Yeah, I think it's that right there, Richard. I think they got a blessing in the fact of this regional starting on Saturday. It's not been officially announced yet, uh, but I just anticipate that Scott Barry is going to do what he's done and that's going to be allowed, Tanner. I mean, essentially, it's the same amount of rest now, Monday to Saturday. He threw his pin in in that opener on uh, Monday against Penn. He threw his bullpen, I should state. And so, really and truly, he's right on his schedule, actually, with maybe an extra day of rest if you want to look at it like that. Now, granted, he doesn't normally, you know, pitch in stressful environments, you know, from Friday to Monday like that. But that, but so I anticipate him getting that ball in Game One. I don't anticipate the shuffling around. Um, I, I just think Scott Barry is going to ask him how he feels, I would say, tomorrow. And if he says he's fresh and ready and feels like his arm's the same as if it was a Friday night start, uh, you're going to see Tanner Hall on that mound in game one. And, um, boy, he's a big piece to it this weekend, isn't he? Yeah, there's no question about that. Jason, I feel like there's so much of the, well, Tennessee fans are mad because they don't have enough seats, and Wes Rucker's mad because he doesn't have a seat in the press box, and Southern Miss fans are mad because there's an Applebee's joke, and, and, and all of that's well and good, and that's fine among the fans. But when you set all of that aside, and you just look at these two teams, and you just look at the matchup that's going to happen uh, but between the lines, and, and you think about this Tennessee team as you you study them to kind of get ready for the weekend. What impresses you most about Tennessee? And and give me an area where you think Southern Miss can can maybe exploit something that that Tennessee doesn't do as well. I think I think the the piece to this puzzle, Richard, that I'm watching, they've hit 122 home runs as a team. Southern okay. Miss has given up 55. Pete Taylor Park's a hitter's park this time of year. The ball tends to jump. Can the pitching staff for the Golden Eagles 
keep the volunteers in the park. And then I really think the equation flips. The Tennessee pitching staff has been subject to giving up some long balls, and they're a high velo pitching staff. I mean, Scott Berry has said they're, you know, big league arm after big league arm after big league arm that they're going to run at you. Some of that high velo stuff, I think, will play into the effect of some of these guys that maybe can catch up to one and turn one back around in the Golden Eagle order. And so then my challenge really for the Golden Eagles is can they send one over the wall because we all know, I mean, what that Reese Ewing would have been home run would have meant. I think it was a grand slam even against Ole Miss. What it could have been if it was fair, it was foul, clearly. But if it was fair, what that would have done for that (laughs) series a year ago, right? Like it, it could have unhinged it. And so can Golden Eagles and can that order find a way to send a ball over the park and can they keep Tennessee in the park? To me are the two things, at least, you know, from a pure baseball sense that I'm watching. Yeah, I, I love that you said clearly there. There, there was some debate as to how clear that was uh, a year ago, but uh, uh, time time heals everything. I think. Hey, so the guy that that jumps off the page to me with Tennessee, with the role that he has grown. Chase Burns was not great as a starter for them this year, but as a reliever, he has turned into like this like unhittable force, and he gave him what six six innings and ninety eight pitches last week against Clemson. It goes back to what I think you said earlier being so key is Southern Miss has got to get out to a, a quick start because if Tennessee, especially in that first game, can hand it over to Chase Burns, it gets really daunting at the end. I agree completely, Richard. And, you know, what it does is if you see him in game one, my opinion, if this thing ends up on Monday, you're going to see him in a, in a long relief role probably on Monday. And, you know, or they may choose to, to, to back-to-back him if, if they've got a lead on Saturday as well to try to – punch that ticket to Omaha that they're looking for. You're right. I was watching that Clemson regional uh, last weekend when he entered that ball game. And I mean, that was unhittable type stuff. Like, you know, just, just what you see from like a, and I'll use Scott Berry's term, you know, from a big leaguer is what he looked like to me out there on the mound and not really knowing what his starts look like for a guy to be able to come in and basically put it at a hundred octane and just start slinging it. And he had great secondary stuff to go along with it. Boy, it kind of, to me, gives them a piece to the puzzle in the seventh inning. If they've got a one-run lead and this thing's tight, they can hand that baseball off. Yep. And I would think the volunteers no feel awfully comfortable. Jason, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up, bud. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate y'all, man. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi, Middays with Gerard Gibbert. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar and Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be live in Greenville at the Delta Soul Celebrity Golf and Charity Event. You'll hear from celebrities throughout the day as they make their way to the Delta. And it all goes to benefit the Steve Azar St. Cecilia Foundation to raise funds for charitable organizations that aid sick, disadvantaged, and abused children. To learn more... 
You can visit the uh, foundation's website, Steve Azar, Saint Cecilia Foundation.org. That is Steve Azar, Saint Cecilia Foundation.org. I'm already in Greenville, excited to uh, be on hand for some of the events tonight as this uh, gets started uh, this evening and then golf tournament this weekend and uh, should be a lot of fun. Excited to uh, bring that to you uh, tomorrow right here on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, guys, let's walk through the, the Super Regionals. South Carolina, Florida. We haven't talked about this one at all. South Carolina played great baseball last weekend in the Columbia Regional. They swung the bats well, had uh, had a great home field advantage. They do not have that home field advantage this weekend. They are at Florida. And in the past, we would have perhaps said that, uh, well, there's not really much of a home field advantage for Florida. That has changed. They are expecting a sellout at Florida, was it Condren Family Ballpark? This uh, this weekend, who, who do you like, South Carolina or Florida, in the three game series this weekend? I think for me, it's 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 Florida. They're just playing at a, such a high level. I just feel like that they've got a little bit more star power. South Carolina's been good this year. They've had they've had their ups and downs. I feel like Florida's just been a little bit more consistent. Does the way Florida played? Last week, which is weird to say because they won their regional, versus the mm-hmm. way that South Carolina played, alter the way you think about this regional. Because South Carolina was dominant, and Florida did have to labor. They won, that's all that matters, but still. It doesn't. It, it, it's Florida for me for a couple of reasons. Um, it starts with their arms. I mean, the, the rotation of, of Waldrop and Sprout and Caglione and whatever order they choose is where it starts. Uh, Abner and Neely at the back end of the bullpen. Slater was really good. If they need a, a long reliever, the guy that, that pitched on Monday for them, I thought he was really good. But when you start thinking about that order, I mean, Josh Rivera has had such a good season. Um, Dylan Cruz has gotten all the... Uh, uh, what have we talked about all season long? Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, 1-2. Don't be surprised if Wyatt Lankford ends up going number one overall when we roll to the draft. His season has been that good, and he projects that well. So you got Lankford in the outfield. Um, you, you got the freshman second baseman that's been so good this year. Josh Rivera's been so good. There just aren't any holes in that lineup. I, I pick Florida, but I think it's got a chance to be a really fun weekend in Gainesville. Um. Duke and Virginia, I mean, is it just, you know, Virginia's got 48 wins and they've been pretty steady all season long, so we're all picking Virginia? I probably, I'll pick Virginia, but I mean, Duke has had this reputation of finding their their way into some upset wins over the past couple of years, so I won't be shocked if they, they get out of there. You, you also got the magic of the torn ACL working with the uh, the Mets kid for for Duke, right? I mean, you know what can happen in the postseason when you get a guy with a banged up knee still swinging through it? Um yeah, I, I think Virginia wins that one at home. And once again, we're reminded that Brian O'Connor is a really, really good college baseball coach, coach. Uh, considering what they've done. Uh, you guys may think I'm crazy. I'm picking Oral Roberts to uh, to win the Eugene Super Regional. Going to the Pacific Northwest and knocking off the Ducks in the Ducks' home ballpark. Is that crazy? Yeah, Four no. Seat? Okay. Not, Not at all. Totally, totally doable. I love their offense, and they're better on the mound than people gave them credit for. And they played really – they've won 49 games this year. That's a lot of games regardless of the uh, the league in which you play. Um, 
Does the uh, does the Sycamore story come to an end this weekend in Fort Worth? Number fourteen, Indiana State at TCU. The way TCU is able to handle Arkansas, they're hot right now. I think that think that's going to be the case. TCU advances. Yeah, and look, whatever the reason, I mean, TCU getting that in their home ballpark is probably an advantage for them. Uh, I, I guess I feel guilty just dismissing Indiana State. I kind of dismissed them in their regional last weekend. I didn't think that ultimately they would win the regional. They did. That's a good baseball team. Um, but yeah, is it is it Trey Richardson? Was was he the the player for uh, TCU that just went bonkers yeah. last weekend? Um, so there. I, I, look, we may have some issues with my mic and have to bail out of this. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. We're trying to. Uh, uh, I think I, to... I think I, I got it now. Okay, you got it all figured out. I think so. There you go. Do your uh, magician thing. The, this first hour has been very live radio. Yeah, sorry about that. It uh, it happens sometimes. Good news is we got two more hours. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com to keep up with everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort. Four o'clock hour just around the corner. We will be. Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations all across the Magnolia State, we're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can find them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Book your tee time there or plan your trip. A pair of 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Great condition this time of year. You're going to love it. If you haven't been in a long time or you've never been, it's time to try Dancing Rabbit Golf. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Uh, check them out online at cspire.com slash business. All right, guys, I need you to uh, help me make sense of something in just a second. We'll, we'll finish, but before we go to this, we'll finish out the, the Isn't super that our job schedule. Every day? Well, yeah, I mean, really I guess is. kind of. <laughs> I, I, kind of. The, the Big Ten has done something so that they can tell us just how smart they are. 
And I'm wondering if they've just put a different name on something that they were going to do and we've talked about before. We've got a new Big Ten scheduling model that has a fancy name that I don't entirely understand. So we'll get to that coming up in uh, in just a few minutes. Let's walk through the Super Regionals, though, that begin on Saturday. So we, we looked at the, the Friday Regionals. Saturday Super Regionals, Alabama Wake Forest, they get started at uh, noon Eastern on ESPN. Texas and Stanford at 6, Kentucky and LSU at 3, Tennessee and Southern Miss also at 3, 2 o'clock local time on ESPNU. Wake Forest, number one team in the country, number one overall seed, dominant in every aspect of the game all season long, and last week was no exception. They have the best team ERA in the country. They have arguably the best closer in the country. They have one of the two best starting pitchers in the country, an offense that has hit over 100 home runs, and they hit over 300 as a team. And, oh, by the way, they field it pretty well also. And they are playing at home. But they are playing an Alabama team that has found something in the second half of the season post-Brad Bohannon termination. They're playing well. Alabama's got a good rotation. They've got some clutch hitters. It's not a lineup that just scares you, but they've got guys that can swing it. Alabama at Wake Forest. Who's winning the series? Is it going two games? Is it going three games? What do you think? Wake Forest wins in two. I think we might be overthinking this one. I think that we've let Arkansas in two years ago in Tennessee last year kind of cloud us a little bit. This is this is a great, great Wake Forest team. They've played well the whole year long. Uh, I, I can't. I don't see it getting away from them here. They may not win in Omaha, but I think they'll win here. Can okay. it be? Can Alabama match up with Wake Forest arms? I mean, that, that's the key in these things, right? I mean, not not to oversimplify a complex situation, but but we saw it. What what carried the last two national champions? They had great hitters and they had great players in the field, but they pitched their way to those championships. Can Alabama pitch their way? against this Wake Forest team to winning the Super Regional? It's actually a really interesting question. Um, Do they match arm-for-arm Wake Forest? No, they don't. But Luke Holman, last Friday night, matched an arm that is as good as just about any you'll find in college baseball, even though he only pitched for nickels, right? I mean, he, he pitched for nickels. But it was a, a true freshman that was 94 to 97, and Holman was really, really good last Friday night. Garrett McMillan, their game two starter, is is really good. And then Jacob McNary went out and threw a season high seven and two thirds innings, and he struck out a career high eleven. Alabama's starting pitching is good, and then Alton Davis at the back end of the bullpen, you know, true freshman left-hander that's got electric stuff. He he's good too. I don't know that I. Hey, Dad, I agree with you. I think Wake Forest wins. Maybe it's in two games. I'm not sure that they win the national championship. I feel like I set up kind of a compelling case for Wake Forest when I laid out all of those accolades about them, and then I'm like, yeah, but what about Alabama? Uh, It it feels like if you pick Alabama here, you're out thinking the room. But I'm not shocked if Alabama wins. I, I don't think I'm shocked by anything in a super regional result where all you got to do is win twice in three games. To me, the biggest question out of this Super Regional isn't 
the on-the-field thing. It's, has Josh Jackson done enough to be the head coach now at Alabama? I think the answer might be yes to that. Yeah, J- Jason Jackson. But, but yeah, no, I'm... Jason Jackson, I'm sorry, yes. He's done a really good job, and, and he's made it about the team. He hasn't made it about himself. I asked him point, Blake, when we talked last Thursday, because he's kind of shied away. He, he has not wanted to answer the question of, you know, do you want this job? Should this be your job? And I just, I looked at it, I was like, hey, point blank, this is part of the conversation. Do you want this job? And I wasn't sure how he was going to take it. And he was like, yeah, I do. I was like, okay, good. I just wanted to hear that from you. Uh, and, and, you know, we kind of went on, on from there. So um, it won't be a super splashy hire. But it's a, a fairly safe hire if that's the uh, the route that Alabama goes. If, and they'll do it without spending a whole lot of money. You, I say, if you're not going to go big, if you're not going to really try to get a top top coach, this is yeah. the, just just promote from within. And and this guy's been doing a good job. Let's see how it goes. I mean, doesn't it feel like you're either like you're you're making a run at 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 the guy from Campbell or Dan McDonald at Louisville or Wake Forest head coach or Cliff Godwin or you just named Jason Jackson the head coach. Exactly. I, I feel like that's the the uh, idea. So I said Jackson will not be the coach at Bama. Remember Gary Henderson? I just I don't I don't think that's quite the same story. It's, it's, it's apples and oranges. Mississippi State baseball and Alabama baseball are different programs. Yeah. Texas at Stanford. Stanford, the number eight national seed. They uh, they play well at home. It's a good baseball team. Stay, uh, Texas red hot. Kind of stumbled through the uh, the Big Twelve for part of the season. Played really well in the um, the Coral Gables Regional last weekend. Who, who do you guys like here, Texas or Stanford? Stanford. Texas. Really? I think Texas is hot right now. Hot, hot, hot. Wait, nope. Got to save it. Well, not Gotta yet. Not it. yet. Not yet. It's uh, it's coming, and if you don't know what it is, just uh, hang on. We'll get to 100 teams in 100 days. There's a and, bunch of uh, longtime listeners that are going to smile. They know what it is. They're, they're, they're just they going to smile. Because, I mean, so I started here at Super Talk nine years ago, September. September of 2014 okay. is when I started here. That is at least how long that song has been played on this show once a year. It's been at least nine years since that song has been played on this show one time a year. All right. And it always uh, makes me, every time I hear it, it makes me smile. It's the best. Hey, Dad says Texas. Borky says Stanford. I think I have a slight lean to Stanford, but uh, but that's it. It's just a, a slight lead uh, lean. Kentucky and LSU. Um, I don't know that any of us would be sad. If the uh, Kentucky Wildcats dethrone the greatest team in the history of college baseball, that uh, I mean, this is I, like the Rays beating the Yankees, right? Uh, well, yeah, kind of. In terms of uh, payroll, might even yeah. might even be like. Maybe maybe a little more lopsided. Maybe maybe like the Mississippi Braves going to New York and winning yeah. in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's just going to be too much offense for LSU. They're they're going to win the Skeens game, and they're just going to have too much offense when it's all said and done. And uh, you're going to have LSU in the College World Series. Yeah, Kendall was being hyperbolic, but ever so slightly when he said LSU is going to hit four or five home runs in each game. You're yeah, you're off, are, but yeah. not by much. 
Yeah. And then the uh, the other one that we've got is in Hattiesburg. That's the uh, the last out of this group, Tennessee and uh, Southern Miss. Tennessee coming in 41-19 and 19 overall. Southern Miss is 45-18. and 18. Tennessee won the Clemson Regional last weekend. We know the story. Southern Miss goes to Auburn. They lose their first game. They come all the way back through the loser's bracket with four straight wins. They knock out Penn. How's this one going to go in Hattiesburg, fellas? I can tell you how I hope it's going to go. <laughs> I think well, t- well tell us. Yeah, oh, I, I want Southern Miss yeah. to win fifteen to nothing, and then for good measure, seventeen to nothing. That's what I want okay. to happen. Hey, Dad. I, 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 I remember last week I said I was like fifty-one forty-nine on on USM, and I'm I'm kind of the same way again because um, Tennessee is very good, and, and I feel like if Tennessee wins this super regional, they're going to be really really tough to beat in Omaha. But I'm going to take USM to, to bounce back after last year and, and get to Omaha and keep the Scott Berry story going for at least one more week. Do it for Scott Berry. Even though he's, he says that's not why you, you want it to happen, we can, uh, we can pull for it for that reason. We'll be back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Take the friggin' wax out of your head. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. I was uh, making my way to Greenville, and uh, as I, I came down Highway 61 today, I saw signs on Highway 61 for Abrahams in uh, Cleveland, just one of the places across the Magnolia State where you can find Genteel Apparel. Others include... Uh, the Country Gentleman in Greenville, Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, and Reed's in Starkville. And, of course, you can order online at genteelapparel.com. Great idea for Father's Day if you're trying to figure out uh, what to get Dad. Maybe go with the uh, the golf shirts or uh, a quarter zip or get him some of the uh, the collegiate collection. Whether he's a fan of Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Southern Miss or some of the other schools that they represent, you can uh, get great-looking golf shirts with uh, your team's logo. Go on them at genteelapparel.com. Enter your email address and get 10% off your first order online. Uh, it is like a de facto setting or a default setting, I guess I should say, for us to uh, to give the Big Ten a hard time. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of set this up a second ago, guys, with the uh, what, what are they doing with this Flex Protect Plus schedule model? I mean, it feels like they went to a marketing firm, like for a, for a technology company, and were like, hey, what can we call our new schedule? Let's go with Flex Protect Plus. And then you start diving into it, and you're like, okay, is this really any different than some of the models we've talked about at other conferences? When you're talking about a nine-game schedule where you've got two protected games, two permanent opponents, or three permanent opponents, or one permanent opponent. Here's the thing. Nine-game conference schedule in the Big Ten. And they do have it set up where everybody in the conference will play everybody else in the conference home and away every four years. So 
that is something that we have all agreed is important. But the difference in the way the Big Ten has approached this and the way some of the conversations have worked for the SEC. right? So in the SEC, it was like, okay, everybody's going to have, if there's a nine-game schedule model in the SEC, haven't we kind of settled on everybody's going to have two protected opponents and then you'd rotate through the other seven games and everybody would play home and away over the course of four years, right? That that was kind of the most likely... Wait, in the SEC? If the if the SEC had gone to nine. It would have been three plus six. Three. Uh, okay, that's right. Three plus it, six. It, it was three plus six. But very easy to explain. Three permanent opponents, six rotating, and that's what you do. So, so that's what it is. Yeah. This is not easy to explain. What the Big Ten has done is said, everybody's got some important games. Kind of. Some more important than others. Except for Penn State, apparently. Except for Penn State, <laughs> apparently. So they have decided that there are protected matchups within the league that will be played every single year. But not every team has one. There are 11 protected games that are a combination of historic rivalries and trophy games. Big Ten country is big-time trophy game country. And we kind of like that. Absolutely. It's fun. So, so, so here are it's, your protected it's, it's games. part of what makes college football great. Michigan-Ohio State, no shot. UCLA-USC. Minnesota-Wisconsin. Indiana-Purdue. Michigan State-Michigan. Iowa-Minnesota. Illinois-Northwestern. Iowa-Nebraska. Maryland-Rutgers. Because nothing screams we've got to protect a game quite like Maryland and Rutgers. Iowa-Wisconsin. Iowa has three protected games that they will play every single year, and then Illinois-Purdue. In addition to that, they have what they have called two plays. That means teams that will have opponents that they play in both 2024 and 2025 that will change for the 26-27 cycle. For example, Southern Cal and Penn State will play in both seasons, as will UCLA and Nebraska. Here's what the COO, Kerry Kinney, of the Big Ten told ESPN. This schedule is done in two-year increments, so that allows you to be a little more responsive to competitive trends, responsive to changes in the postseason model. We don't know how the CFP committee is going to evaluate teams in this expanded playoff, but we're pretty darn sure that this model that we're putting forward and the depth of the games and the quality of the games, that's going to send a pretty strong and significant message. They looked at a bunch of different models, and they looked at, according to Kerry Kenny. 171 versions within the Flex Protect Plus model. <laughs> Flex, Flex Protect Plus sounds like something that I would go to a, one of my North Mississippi uh, Ford dealers, and they would offer me the Flex Protect Plus warranty plan, where you know when I get over 100,000 miles, the Flex Protect Plus keeps me under warranty. I don't know. It also... It also sounds like something that if you were staying up late at night watching infomercials, you could order two for the price of one, plus shipping and handling. Yeah. 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 
Also, I think Maryland and Rutgers need to make their rivalry game around the Sopranos and The Wire, two of the best HBO TV series of, of all time. But we get like the Omar Little trophy? I want, I want to see that. I, I've been to an Ohio State-Penn State game in Happy Valley. And I've watched Ohio State-Penn State games over the years. As a lot of you have, I'm sure. Last year was unbelievable if you watched it. Great football game. Why has the Big Ten decided not to play that annually? Why on earth would you choose not to play Ohio State-Penn State every year? How many marquee games does the Big Ten have, truly? Ohio State-Michigan? Michigan-Michigan State? And then you, you start tapering off, but Penn State's involved in the rest of them. Wisconsin-Minnesota, marquee game. Wisconsin-Minnesota, the yeah, they got the trophy, but man, to, to not have two of your now four biggest brands playing against each other every year when you don't have that many marquee matchups. The SEC can get away with not having Alabama and Georgia playing every year because Alabama and LSU are going to play each other every year, and it's fine. But Ohio State-Northwestern doesn't do anything. Ohio State-Penn State does things. And you're not going to play that game? Just bizarre decision-making from them. That's one of the few games you got. Knocking that in as an every single year game seems odd. Very odd. I completely agree with that. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know. Are you surprised at all that they didn't lock in Southern Cal, Ohio State. Southern, I mean, we've seen the the schedule reveal for Southern Cal already, and they don't even play Ohio State in their first year. Yeah, what are you doing? in the Big Ten? What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, don't don't you think when the first SEC schedule comes out, you know, what six days from now, Texas will travel to Alabama or Georgia or Alabama? Well, probably not because they just played each other. So Texas will probably go to Georgia or LSU. and then Oklahoma. Or LSU, and then Oklahoma is coming to somebody else. But, but to me, or the other way around, they're going to Oklahoma. But, but isn't that the difference in what the SEC is and what the Big Ten is? Because they're a bunch of combinations of really, really compelling matchups. And it's why I think the three permanents and six rotating when the SEC eventually goes to nine is what makes the most sense. Because, I mean, Texas, Georgia is great, but so is Oklahoma, Alabama, and so is OU, Texas, and so is Texas, Texas A&M, and so is Ole Miss, LSU, and so is, you know, on and on and on down the line. I'm not sure that you have to – I don't know that you have to build – a schedule when you're talking about the SEC slate that guarantees two brand names are going to play each other every single year so that your league can be competitive when it comes to the college football playoff. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your three that you play every year when we when we ultimately get to this, and I still think ultimately we're going to get to nine games in the SEC. And, and then the rest of it's going to rotate. And you're going to play everybody twice every four years, which the Big Ten says they're doing also. Which to me, all I mean, if everybody is going to play everybody else 
two times every four years, and there's going to be home and away, then I'm not entirely sure I understand the rationale behind this really complicated formula that they're using. And and and, and maybe that's where I get it at the end of this. It's like, congratulations on your schedule launch and on this super complicated formula that nobody understands, and I'm sure it's wildly innovative. I just don't understand why. Why, why that felt so necessary within the model that they rolled out. This is Sports Talk Mississippi with you. More coming up after this. You can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Started at 100. We will go all the way to one. Today we are at number 86 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, Number 86 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days is... Wait, what? State. Wow. Yeah, that's so low. Oh. Never get so Somebody old, had a meeting and approved that. Yeah, they did. But, and oh, you know goodness. how colleges work. When promo material gets out there, like two dozen people have to approve this. Yeah. You're right. Uh, Appalachian State, team number 86. Appalachian is hot, hot, hot. So... Okay. This is the so whole segment. Not <laughs> anything else. Two million views on that video. I guess it worked. There are two games from last year that stand out on Appalachian State schedule, and it just happened to be the first two games of the season. Because here's the deal: App State went six and six last year. They went 3-5 and five in the Sunbelt Conference. But there are two games that stand out. The season opener against North Carolina that was played in Boone, and we talked all last year, all offseason last year, ooh, take a watch out for that one. Clemson transfer, Chase Bryce in at quarterback, sold out Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone, North Carolina, 11 a.m. kickoff, noon local time, first Saturday of the season, 
And man, did that game live up to the hype. North Carolina won it. We almost were right. Yeah, 63-61, North Carolina won that game. So we remember that game from last year for Appalachian State. And then we remember a game from week two. Real quick, do you remember who was coaching that North Carolina defense that got lit up by Appalachian State? Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik. That is correct. Do you remember who was coaching that Appalachian or that uh, North Carolina offense that put 63 on the board? We got open. They got open. They did get open. Are they going to get open in Madison, Wisconsin this year? Like, do you we'll talk to, about that when we get there. I know, but do you have to keep reminding yourself from time to time that Luke Fickle is the head coach at Wisconsin and Phil Longo is now his offensive coordinator at Wisconsin? I respect the heck out of it, honestly. At no doubt. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Culture shack. But we'll do it again. We'll do Wisconsin when we get to Wisconsin. So you remember the season opener against North Carolina where they lost it by 263-61. And then they played a slightly different type game the following week. It was not at home. It was in the middle of the afternoon. It was low scoring. And it was not a loss. Appalachian State went to College Station, Texas. The week after giving up 63 points to North Carolina... They held Texas A&M to 14 in a 17-14 win, and it was not a fluke win. Appalachian State dominated the line of scrimmage against the Texas A&M Aggies in Week 2 last year. Played keep away, basically. Hey, and here, you know what's crazy? So, uh, again, they went 6-6 six and six and started the year 2-1 and one with a two-point loss to North Carolina. A win at Texas A&M, and do you know what they did in week three? Hail Mary. They beat they the Troy helmet. That was college game day, three. right? Yes. Wasn't that college game day? Yeah. Luke Combs in the locker room? Yeah. And that was, what was it, a 10-win Troy team? So they beat, at the time, number six Texas A&M, which is one uh, a ranking that is one number larger than the amount of wins they had last year. Mm-hmm. And then a 10-win Troy team. Hey, Dad, like no the way one's you better that. at the little. No one's better at the little. It's not even subtle, but like the little dig that Borky can find sometimes. He's a master of it. Yeah, he is. All right, so I don't know who's playing quarterback for Appalachian State this year, but but it feels like these are the contenders. So they've got a third year junior that is a junior college transfer in Joey Aguilar from Diablo Valley Community College in California. They've got a fifth-year senior in David Hernandez, who is from the Charlotte area. And then they've got a stud freshman. Mason McHugh, he's an IMG Academy kid. He was highly recruited. Is he going to win that job? Sure. Maybe. What? I thought you like popped up and you said something about him, and I I was like, wait, what? I just said it's a great name. Oh, It's a great great college quarterback name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no idea who's going to win the App State job. Although I will say, we, and we haven't talked about it, new offensive coordinator there because last year's offensive coordinator Kevin Barbet now at Mississippi State. That's right. So I don't know how it's going to uh, shake out. Here, here's the uh, the schedule for Appalachian State going into the 2023 season. They open with Gardner Webb. So that's a game they should win in Week One. They go to North Carolina in Week Two. 
That's a stout home game in week three against East Carolina. Now, East Carolina is breaking in a new quarterback as well. They had a, like a, a fifth-year senior, five-year starter at, at quarterback. Maybe a little bit of a danger spot for East Carolina. Back-to-back road games against Wyoming and ULM. They do have Southern Miss on the schedule this year. That is a home game in Boone on October 28th. I know, look, if you're a Southern Miss fan right now, you're locked in on on baseball, right? You're locked in on the Super Regional, and it's all about Tennessee right now. But after you get past this weekend, and if it goes well, after you get past Omaha, and you start kind of thinking ahead to football season, you think, you know, I want to make a road trip this year. That might be the one to make. Boone, North Carolina, beautiful spot, nice stadium, end of October, that feels like the road trip to make if you're a uh, you're a Southern Miss fan next year. Really, really fun place to go watch a football game. Stadium's a little weird. Like they 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 added it on in weird ways. There's some weird sight lines there, but it's nice, and they keep updating it. And the campus is nice, and the town is really cool, and it's it's got a good beer scene, and the people generally seem to be really nice. Boone is a great place to go spend a weekend to watch a football game. I mean, it's hot, hot, hot. It's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> it except, is. Except that weekend, it won't really be all that hot, hot, hot. Like, I, likely no. Yeah, it should be good. It might be cold that weekend, actually. Probably so. Uh, the, the renovations, though, to uh, Kid Brewer Stadium are, are good. That's a, a fun program. Obviously, Appalachian State, they, they jumped onto the scene uh, with that win at the big house all those years ago, and uh, they've been solid. They've uh, been kind of a cradle of coaches. They put some some coaches in good spots along the way, and it's uh, a good program. You guys remember the significance of that game, though, right? The the game itself, not the outcome of the game, but the game. The which game? The Troy Appalachian game? State, Michigan, two thousand seven. Oh, I believe that was the first game aired on Big Ten Network. Yeah, you're oh, correct. Absolutely that was. is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is one hundred percent accurate. Yeah. They're, they they put Appalachian <laughs> everybody in the control room looking around, going, "Do we make a mistake? <laughs> Do we, should, should we should we not have done this?" I mean, beautiful weather, and they get to show the big house and all of its very flat glory. By the way, one hundred ten thousand people. That stadium is flat. I mean, flat. But anyway, big. You mean brand. flat in terms of energy? Uh, no, flat in terms of like. The, the, oh, just oh, it's, okay. I yeah. mean, you don't. It's feel, wide. You don't feel like you're yeah. above the guy in front of you. Like you feel like you're on the same level. That's how how flat it is. But I mean, big. Once brand, you're an Ohio State fan, then you're above them, and then you're above them. Um, <laughs> at least in terms of the inability to get killed, but because uh, they're cockroaches. Um, in case you didn't get that reference, but <laughs> what? Can't kill a cockroach. Ohio State fans are cockroaches. They are everywhere. Um, Oh, my gosh. But anyway, I mean, (laughs) imagine that they were so excited for that day. We're launching our network. We got this big brand playing this FCS school. They're going to win by 45 points, and we just get to celebrate the Big Ten. They they didn't. It's kind of like when they they opened the Bear Bryant Museum in Alabama. And uh, and Ole Miss won that day, and they had a rededication of the Bear Bryant Museum the following year, or a few weeks later, or something <laughs> along those lines. I yep. didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah. Wait, that is a they, true statement. So they did they, uh, they did the whole pomp and circumstance, and then did it again because yeah, they, they did a rededication. You're you're not losing on the day you open the Bear Bryant Museum. Not that's not going to work. I, mean, I get that's it. Not a good footnote I for get history. It. Sounds like they they did lose on that day though. 
Uh, Mac Brown spent a year as the head coach at Appalachian State. Sparky Woods was there from 84 to 88. Scott Satterfield, 13 to 18. Eliad Drinkwitz, that one magical year in 2019 that launched him into Michigan or to, uh, Missouri store. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Visit Oxford reminds you that Sunday nights in June, you've got the Sunset Series, the concert series that's happening in the Grove on the Ole Miss campus. Cool way to hang out with the family, enjoy some live music, and spend a relaxing Sunday evening in Oxford at the Grove. That's the Sunset Series happening in the Grove during the month of June on Sunday nights. For a full list of activities happening in and around Oxford, be sure to follow Visit Oxford on all of their social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS or VisitOxfordMS.com. You guys see that uh, Neil Everett is out at ESPN, longtime Sports Center anchor, alongside Stan Verrett for the Los Angeles Sports Center? Is that one where he's walking away, or did he get cut? Um, it looks like it makes it sound like he's he made it his decision, but I mean I could be wrong. There is one report that he was not offered a new contract. There is another report that they offered him a new contract at a reduced salary, and similar to Kenny Maine a couple of years ago, he passed on that and said he's going to move on. So, so either way, okay. Meanwhile, a super likable guy. Yeah, and meanwhile, like the people that suggest that. The Celtics couldn't win in Miami because it's hot outside. Get paid six and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I get it. You know, yeah, yeah. Hey, there was one other uh, big piece of news today in like the uh, in, in in the sports world. So uh, Jack Swarbrick, longtime athletics director at yeah. Notre Dame, stepping down a year from now. <laughs> I love the. I'm going to step away, but I'm going to wait a year. Um, and he's going to be replaced by Pete Bavacqua, which is a name that probably you don't recognize. He is. I mean, he's a sounds young like a dude. Mediterranean dish. Um, yeah, not not baklava, uh, but uh, Bavacqua. So he's the former CEO of the PGA of America. So PGA of America, of course, is the tournament that runs the PGA Championship <laughs> and the Ryder Cup and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I do like baklava. It's delicious. One of my favorites. Uh, he left the PGA of America, <laughs> which feels like a great job, to be the CEO of NBC Sports. And then like a year that later... It feels like a better was, job. I'll be totally honest with you. He was, he was then promoted to chairman of NBC Sports. And now he's going to be the athletics director at Notre Dame. That's a pretty good little resume, no, though. That, that 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 is falling upward. If 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 he's you know, I don't know if he's good at his job or not. I mean, NBC Sports are okay. I don't have an issue with them. So maintained, by the way, because people tried to connect dots about the NBC guy going to Notre Dame. Does that mean that they're going to 
yeah. do what NBC wants, which is join a conference, and he maintained no independence is where we like to be. Yeah. And there's not much we'll incentive for Notre Dame anymore so, to, to drop that independence, it, depending on the TV deal. Now, if NBC lowballs them, well, then, then you've got kind of an issue. But they make so, they're make so rich anyway. But with the 12-team oh, okay. playoff... Can, can I be? Can, can we go like full on conspiracy for a second? Yes, could, we can. Absolutely. Could could, could Pete Bavacqua negotiate the new Notre Dame TV contract with Jack Swarbrick before he leaves NBC Sports? Ah, uh, and then you'll like be the that. athletics like director at Notre Dame afterward. I, I'm just just thinking out loud here. I'm Have your saying. cake and eat it too. I like that. Well, but that's I the like right that. phrase for Notre Dame right now. So. In terms of football independence and in terms of being affiliated with the ACC and everything else, they get to have their cake and eat it too. The only thing that Notre Dame cannot do going forward in this 12-team football playoff is be one of the top four seeds. So they're not going to get a first-round bye. But guess what? That means they do have the opportunity to host a first-round game on campus at Notre Dame Stadium, which is almost cooler. I, maybe it makes it harder to win a national championship. I don't know. But they've got a, a, a solid path to the playoff. They can host a game at Notre Dame Stadium. They've got five built-in games against the ACC, and those rotate through. They can still play the national schedule and therefore keep the national recruiting base that they want to. Still play, still play Southern Cal, still play Stanford. They can still play Navy every year, and then they can rotate a few others in as they wish. And then in all of their other sports, they compete in the ACC. So they're in a good basketball league for men's and women's basketball. They're in a good baseball league for baseball. I just, I mean, it's... It feels like Notre Dame, the, the whole will they or won't they join a conference is like more in the rearview mirror than it's ever been. Which would explain why the Big Ten has expanded their quote-unquote vetting, if you believe the reporting, on who they want to add. They, yeah. they, they've reportedly looked into Kansas even, Duke, North Carolina, and, and other places. They're not... It felt like they were dead set on Notre Dame, and then if not Notre Dame, they're going elsewhere. Well, if you believe the reporting, it looks like they're turning their attentions elsewhere. Yeah. The the only thing left to figure out is, is Notre Dame going to get the money that it wants from NBC in its next standalone TV deal? And that is to be determined. 5 o'clock hour coming up next. College football fix. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad going to take you the rest of the way. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Wait, where'd Richard go? He just got up and walked out. Said he's out. Must be nice. Must be nice. We got to see ya. We got to labor away for the next hour. We've got to sit here and strain for another 60 minutes while he's off having Here's cocktails or whatever. Here's the thing though, Michael Borky, is we don't have to work any harder because we already carry him 3 <laughs> hours a day anyway. You know my back has been Nothing sore just lately. nothing changed. Yeah. Nothing just changed. We just got to talk a little bit more. Man, that reminded me of of a great movie line. Remember, remember the Titans? 
and they were doing your yeah. mama jokes. Oh, he's like, oh, my, my, my back is sore. <laughs> I just gave your mama, mama a around. piggyback ride, and she weighs, she more weighs than twice as much as me. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. For, no, Richard. We shouldn't doing, do your mama jokes on the air. No, probably not. But no, Richard's off doing uh, doing things that are required of him via the terms of his employment. He isn't just running off to play golf. Wait a minute. That <laughs> schmoozing. That's what schmoozing he's, that's is what he's part doing of his tomorrow. Contract? And so he's when the show begins and it's you and me and he's not there, he'll be playing golf. But it's work. Oh, he's not going to be at the beginning of the show. Probably what? not. I, th- I think they tee off at eleven, so there's a ch- and it's a scramble, and those take longer usually. And, and so, and I've, I've seen him play, and so it might take even longer. If he if he has to putt, they're in trouble. Oh, I, I mean, finding the ball. I mean, I, I hope it's not a heavily wooded course, or else they're in big trouble. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably start the show with Adam. We'll end this one with Adam, but that's okay. It's time to talk a little college football and the college football fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Spend your weekend when you're not watching Southern Miss play in the Super Regional. Test driving an F-150. It's been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. Summer's here. Car shopping is pretty hot in the summer. Kids are out of school. Going to camps, hopefully. Give yourself a little peace at home. Give yourself the gift of an F-150, driven by your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So, Barrett Salee uh, made a list, because it's list season, and that's what they do, for the most impactful transfer for each SEC team. Now, it's a good list, but there's one that we need to talk about, because there's a line in his explanation that does not make sense to me, and I would love to know where it's coming from. But we'll start with the list in general. Georgia, wide receiver Dominic Lovett, he's a Missouri transfer. Any thoughts there? Interesting that it's a receiver transfer to Georgia, and it's not Ra-Ra Thomas. Tells you something, I think. Sounds like it. it. Correct me if I'm wrong. He got tied up in a legal issue, didn't he? Did but that got the uh, charges were all dropped. So okay. he, he he finished off spring practice with them. Okay. Alabama quarterback Tyler Buckner, the transfer from Notre Dame. He was he was good ish. Definitely not great. Tells you a lot about what Nick Saban thought about his quarterback room after the spring. But it's an easy answer, right? I mean, he if he's he's got to be the guy for Alabama. Yeah, I don't think they made this transfer without that being the expectation. LSU, for whatever it's worth, uh, Denver Harris, a defensive back transfer from Texas A&M. He was the number two defensive back in the country when he came out of high school, and now he's off to LSU. Yeah, that's that's where good cornerbacks go play. So let's let's what's another one? Put him on the list. Sure. Auburn Peyton Thorne, the Michigan State transfer quarterback. Another another easy choice. I mean that that's if if you get a transfer quarterback in, usually, usually, that's going to be the guy you're going to point to as he needs to make the biggest impact. Yeah. Well, when it's something like this, anyway, when you tampered with the excuse me, um, when um, <laughs> um, when you looked into basically every quarterback in the transfer portal and some quarterbacks that were not in the transfer portal. 
there, there's a reason for that, and they expect him to play, I assume. Here's Ole Miss, quarterback Spencer Sanders. Here's what he says. This is Barrett Salee, CBS Sports. Coach Lane Kiffin has created a quarterback hunger games of sorts by luring Spencer Sanders and former LSU signal caller Walker Howard to Oxford to compete with returning starter Jackson Dart. I, I get they signed both of them, but a little context is needed there. One's for the future. One was more for right now, but either way. Sanders is, he says, by far the most accomplished of the three, throwing for 9,500 yards and rushing for almost 2,000 in his four seasons at Oklahoma State. Plus, he led the Cowboys within an inch, literally, of winning the 2021 Big 12 title and possibly earning a berth in the college football playoff. He's the favorite to earn the top spot on the depth chart during fall camp. Now, hold on just a second. Where's what? that coming from? Not... And, the same, it, it's coming from the same people who brought you John Rice Plumley will beat out Matt Corral. He ends it, in fairness to say, at the very least, he raises the competition level in the quarterback room, which is true. But he said that like as if that was a guarantee. Like He is the favorite. According to who? I, that, that's It's nah. mystifying to me. Phil Steele put Jackson Dart as the starter in his magazine today. And, you know, the theme here is nobody knows, but... I was a guest on a radio show last week, and and I got multiple Sanders questions first, like, how does he fit in the offense? What's he going to do? Is he at, like, and, and I said, hey guys, you're you're forgetting somebody. Like there is a returning starter on this team, and the theme out of spring was he's dramatically improved, and it's his football team. So yes, of course, there's a chance that that Sanders through the summer, and if he stays at Ole Miss, and there's conflicting. Thoughts, depending on who you talk to, on if he's going to stay at Ole Miss at all. There's a chance during camp that he wins the job. But this idea that he's the favorite is, at least from my perspective, not rooted in any sort of reality. So if you think he's the favorite, making him the impact transfer makes sense. But you and I knowing what we think we know, that he's not the favorite, and he's not going to be the starter. If you're an Ole Miss person, does that worry you that it's not one of the receivers, it's not one of the defensive players, it's this guy who may or may not even play a a good bit this year? And that's the easiest answer, too, right? It's just to go to the transfer quarterback, whatever. I think the most impactful, or what needs to be the most impactful transfer, is Isaac Ukwu. And that's a name that a lot of people are like, wait, who? Who is that guy? It's... Uh, the the rush end from James Madison, first team All Sun Belt guy last year. They need him to come in and play and play right away. I mean that that's more important to me than quarterback, because regardless of what Spencer Sanders does, if he stays, if he competes, if he wins the job, whatever, you know what your floor is at quarterback, and that's a good floor. Jackson Dart twenty twenty two is a good floor for a quarterback. Can he be a lot better? Sure. Do they need him to be better? Yes. But you know that that's not your position of weakness on the team. But defensive line, getting to Mm -hmm. the quarterback, if you can't do that in the SEC, it does not matter who, uh, if it's Sanders or or Dart. And so they need, if it's not Uku, it's one of the other defensive linemen, but focus on him because he's the most important one. If he's not impactful, if he he can't acclimate and play and, and be good, then they're really going to struggle. 
And that also goes for like Stefan Wynn, for example, I mean, other guys that they've signed. But he's the most important because he's a guy that they need to get to the passer, which they did not do well enough at times last year. I, I I'm with you. I mean, especially you know, we you and I talked about this on the podcast on my podcast today. We talked about the Egg Bowl and we talked about Ole Miss and are they going to be better defensively? One of their def- you know, and last year. I mean, Troy Brown, Troy Brown was a good player, but not a, a difference maker, in my opinion. They need a difference maker to step up from that transfer portal class. So if they don't have that, I don't know, man. Yeah, no uh, no doubt. Uh, let's scroll down. Let's skip if you get to Mississippi State. Freddie Robertson is a guy that uh, the, the state fans that I talk to, nobody mentions him. And maybe that's just because you know he signed a while it's, ago it, or whatever. But It's because he wasn't here in the spring. He, he's a, he's not a spring. He was not a spring enrollee. So the fact that he's just he's been out of sight, out of mind. But he is a guy who will come in and push for a starting position on the outside. Uh, you know, I think the outside receivers, your top two guys coming out of the spring, are probably Justin Robinson and Jaden Wally. And then Roberson's going to push them this to, for for one of those spots. I'm excited about. It. I'm I'm curious uh, because. You know, Eastern Washington's really good, right? And and he's got the, the mm-hmm. stats that back that up. And so you've got film on him playing college football. And so you feel comfortable, or you should feel more comfortable about those guys translating because you know what they can do at this level as opposed to catching passes against little Timmy who's got trumpet lessons because his mom makes him after practice. It's a little bit different. But still, the, will he translate to the SEC? Does that game... Yeah. Go from that level to this one is, and he's his time at Eastern Washington when they played big teams. He had good games, so yeah. you know he played against some good competition and 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 was able to edit to play well. And then when he played against FCS competition, you saw his numbers. I mean, huge numbers. Yeah. So that you hope that that will be able to translate. The good news for State is if it doesn't pan out, they're not totally reliant on him. Yeah, you know, he'd be a, it's, it'd be a great piece to have if he if he pans out. But if he doesn't, you still feel good with Wally Robinson and the rest of your wide receiver. Court. It's a college football fix driven by Ford. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We'll be back. Now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again, please. Say now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. talk about this. I did just want to bring it up and, heck, you might even get a laugh out of this. So, the lobbying is going on today on Capitol Hill with the SEC contingent and they've got all that mess. We don't have to dive deep into this, but I do think you'll find this quote funny. Uh, Walker Jones of the Grove Collective was there and this is uh, as part of his you know, back and forth testimony, whatever you want to call it, When he says the governor in this quote, he's talking about the newly appointed president of the NCAA, Charlie Baker. Okay. This is what Walker Jones said today. With all due respect to the governor, what he said, what's happening with NIL is terrible for athletes. That's why everybody hates the NCAA. Sorry. 
It's got to be more than just paying the player. Yes, we compensate them, but if we can put tools around them to help them, they're a better contributor to society because of their interaction with our collective. But I got a good laugh out of that. I may have never agreed with Walker Jones a day <laughs> in my life until this moment in time. Congrats, Walker. So today on on you know for Thunder and Lightning, we started our catfish tour at Little Dewey here in Starkville, and we had Zach Selman come out, you know, fresh from being in Washington himself yeah. yesterday. And so I'm, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm trying to phrase the question. I was like, first off, we're, we're going to trust the federal government to do this? And he just looks and goes, no comment. <laughs> I said, that's the right comment. And I love how he said that after he was there. Like, he, he didn't come back with optimism. Yeah, of, yeah. Oh, no, guys, yeah. I, had, I had great meetings. And- great picture floating around today of some meeting that where, where Saban is sitting right next to Tuberville. And I'm just, I like to picture Saban going, you remember when I beat you so bad that they fired you? You remember that? Oh, my God, I could have scored 100 that day. Uh, another quote, by the way. This yeah. this is the kind of stuff that you're not going to get to sell people on, I think. Here's the quote. This is from Hunter Juracek, the AD at Arkansas. Quote, young men and women are making decisions to not go to Major League Baseball or the WNBA or the NBA because they can make more money in college. Does that make any sense that you can make more money by staying in college than you can by going and being a professional? That's where we have some issues in college athletics. The man just said, can you believe these kids are staying in school? Yep. Can you believe it? We want them out of here. We want to cycle them out, and they're sticking around. You know, Hunter Yurchik's a good athletic director. He's been a smart guy. But, guy... If there's ever proof that smart people say stupid things, there it is right there. There it is. And God help us that our college athletes stay and help our sports teams win and make a little money on top of that. God help us. And to to correct him, yes, there are guys that are playing or that will play college basketball this year that – will make more money than that of a guy playing like in the Australian League. But there is not a single college basketball player, not one, that will make more money this year than an NBA player, than a rostered NBA player. There is not one. Not one. Not one. That That is that is a ridiculous answer. It just, it, no. Not one. Not a real NBA player. And... The, the WNBA, quite frankly, is is not as <sighs> women's college basketball in their tournament, their postseason tournament, does better than the WNBA. So if Angel Baker, or oh gosh, her name's escaping me, Brian. Uh, the, Angel Angel Reese. Angel Reese, not Baker. Angel Baker played at yeah. Ole Miss. Baker was at Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, Angel Reese, the girl from. Van Lith, I don't remember her yeah, first name. Haley. We also do just transferred to yeah Haley Van Lith, yeah. Th- those girls are more popular than WNBA players. They are. Yeah, Caitlin Clark. Same Caitlin one. Caitlin Clark is more popular than WNBA players. So yeah. if they get a little more, it's because it's because they're worth more because they're more popular. That's than, what the market is dictating. And them, and then on top of that, they help your university by being there. Yeah. Are, are you saying you want these guys to just leave? So why? Somebody that's good enough to go play in the NBA, and you think there's, they want to stay an extra year, and that's a problem for you. Oh, by the way, it doesn't cost you anything. Nope. You're not the one floating the bill. 
just to, it's told, just painful to watch college administrators. Just they 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 can't stop tripping over their own words and saying dumb between them and the PGA people. It's been a bad week. Yeah, for PR companies, you know, it's just it's awful. It, it, Tolu Smith staying in school is good for college basketball. Matt Morell staying in school is good for college basketball in the schools those two guys represent. Sam Hartman being at Notre Dame is good for college football. Those three guys in years past probably would have turned pro because they were healthy and it's there's no money to be made in college. I probably just need to go. And the basketball players would not have been on NBA rosters next year and Sam Hartman at best would be holding a clipboard. Instead, they're enhancing their product. It's just a crazy. When you make those kind of arguments, not the there's no regulation, the portal's out of control, guys are enrolling and then leaving three months later, the, the, there's no guidelines, I agree with you. And I'm all in. And you would get the majority of people that are invested in this to, to agree. There needs to be some guidelines, there needs to be some rules, there needs to be some regulation because it's out of control. You get people to agree to that. But when you say things like, it's bad for the players that they can get paid, nobody's going to, that's going to fall on deaf ears. When you say, it's bad that players are staying in school, that's going to fall on deaf ears too. Those are just ridiculous things to, to say. And it is discouraging to hear people that have authority saying things like that. But anyway, we'll completely turn the page. Because I, I saw this last night and it cracked me up. Did you see the uh, the, the home run ball that was hit? What, was it Ellie De La Cruz in his major league? I heard team? about this. Yeah. So yeah. so he's this uh, this superstar in the making. Hit his first home run as a major leaguer for the Cincinnati Reds last night, and he is. People think that he is the next just like massive superstar in major league baseball. Hit his first home run last night. And the kid on like the last row of the outfield seats at the Great American Ballpark caught the ball. And the Reds sent some representatives up to the seat to try to negotiate with the kid to get the ball back. It's a very important mm-hmm. baseball to the player and to the organization, and they think to the Hall Obviously, of Fame one yeah. day. Yeah. Kid held out. And they negotiated, and they negotiated, and we don't know the final terms of the deal, but this picture cracks me up. So this dude, he can't be older than 22 or 23. He's a young guy. He's holding an autographed bat with the with the player. So he got to meet the player, go into the dugout, go into the facility and hang out, and all of his buddies that were at the game with him, there's nine guys here. They all got signed baseballs and got to tour the facility and stuff as well. So he caught the ball and he spun that into, you got to hook my boys up too. Like, we're all in this together. Give me a signed bat. Get all my buddies signed baseballs. And then maybe I'll give you this ball back. And they did it. I need more friends like that. Yeah. And here's the thing. Once again, it didn't cost the Reds nothing. No. They're just like, okay, we'll get, we get the ball that we want, and all we got to do is give up. I mean, how many baseballs are sitting around the Cincinnati Reds facilities? A thousand? That <laughs> they could just be like, hey, sign this. Yeah, and just move on. So, yeah. Good good, good for the kid, though. When you, when you have something somebody else wants, and it's not, you know, 
overly valuable to you? I mean, I'm sure the kid would like to have it, but I mean, there's as good a chance that Ellie De La Cruz never hits another home run than he does become a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Milk it for what it's worth. As the Joker once taught us, if you're good at something, never do it for free. No. So if you caught that ball, let us know on the text line, 601-879-4395. If you caught that ball and the Reds really wanted that ball, what would you do? Would you be like this kid and get a bunch of signed stuff and get you and your boys to go hang out? And we don't know what else they got. We just know the pictures. He got a signed bat. All of his buddies got a signed ball, and they got to meet the player and hang out in the facility. We don't know what else happened. There could be a monetary exchange uh, autograph expert said that ball right now today would be worth about ten grand, and yeah. you know, with the future, obviously they expect it to be worth a lot more. But today, he could have walked out of the stadium and sold it for about ten grand. So we don't know what they got him. But what would you do with that ball? Let us know six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. We'll get to more of your messages when we come back. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Got Super Regionals coming up this weekend. Southern Miss, Tennessee on the forefront, obviously. I hate that it's a Saturday-Monday weekend. I, I don't like those. And, and not that Southern Miss fans won't show out if the game does go to, or if the series goes to a Game 3 and it, it has to be played on Monday. They'll show up. They'll be, they'll be there. They'll be there, yeah. But no I do question. hate that it would be on a Monday as opposed to a, a yeah. regular weekend. Either way, we're excited about that. And uh, we'll talk about that more tomorrow as well. But in the meantime, text us, 601-879-4395. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, Mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you groove. A bunch of your texts have come in. What would you do if you caught what a lot of people think is the next superstar in baseball's first career home run, which was an absolute tank bomb yesterday. Last row of the ballpark there. I mean, just stupid big. People are having fun with trying to figure out the best adjective to describe to describe it, and yet people pulling out thesaurus words, and it was really funny. I mean, just the ways to describe that home run. Anyway, we get one message. I'm sitting on it. Another one, I want sweet tickets. The dude was on the last row of the stadium. Robert. <laughs> I'm with him there. That's a good call. Robert's a good guy. Robert says, absolutely, you just give the ball back. I mean, it's a ball. And look at what he gained. A lot more memories than the deals. No, you give him the ball, but you got to make a deal, too. Yeah. Mike says, I want a sweet for 20 years, but he would settle for season tickets for 10. Fair. Hold out for better seats for the next series. Whatever it took for them to not let anybody know that I was a Reds fan. Oh, That's not very nice. Aren't they playing better? I have no idea. I'll keep up with the Reds. Lifetime season tickets to games? Uh, you're probably not getting that. that. That's probably too much. Yeah, when they say the ball's worth ten grand, I don't know if they'd, they'd give up even just one seat for the rest of the existence of the franchise. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a bit much. Although the Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla a, a million bucks a year. Right, so you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. $10,000 season tickets for life to sign ball, bat, game more jersey, sign balls for my friends, go big or go home. I mean, I could you start there. You're gonna, but you, you've left yourself some negotiating room. Now, the one I'd be walking out with a bat, a helmet, and a signed jersey. I feel like they would have made good on that if that's what he asked for. Yeah, that that feels that's a reasonable request. Somebody says you can make some good memories on ten thousand dollars too. It's true. It's a true story. Make them let Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. I don't think the Reds are the <laughs> ones holding holding him out for that. I don't think. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're. They would. They would like to have him in. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. That would. That would change a lot of things. But yeah, man, this is pretty cool. I, actually, you know, I would love to know the details. But the fact that he got a ball, a signed ball for all of his buddies, and uh, and they got to meet the player and hang out in the facilities, uh, that's pretty sick. Looks like he got a bat yeah, too. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, that's nothing wrong. He did good. He did good. He uh, he did really good. Tim says, pay my taxes for life. <laughs> it's like on Armageddon. <laughs> they don't ever want to play, pay taxes again. Either do I. Can you tell us who killed Kennedy? Isn't that just, just so emblematic? Uh, tune in to Gallo tomorrow at 6 for more. But how, how emblematic it is for our country and how backwards everything is. When our lawmakers, when you've got so much stuff going on that hurts us, right? Inflation is real. Medical insurance. Have you tried to get new medical insurance lately? Or have you had a hospital bill lately? We're not doing anything to fix that. Oh, no. Oh, no. We are not trying to make everyday life for Americans better. What we're doing is trying to legislate college football. That's what our elected officials who get six figures plus in salary spent their time doing this week. Not health insurance. Not trying to figure out how to make that cheaper. However they can. Usually government intervention makes things more expensive, but still. Nobody's trying to figure out how to reduce costs for us at the grocery store. Oh, no, buddy. They're talking to Nick Saban about... We we need to make sure the college athletes don't get paid a lot of money. Glad we're. I've seen. I just saw the home run. By the way, I just saw the home run. By the way, tank is the correct word. Tank. Saw somebody say melted. I like that that. one. I am goodness gracious. What's funny is that kid is only about five feet from not having that ball because it's about to leave the stadium. It's another good one. If they ever make the World Series. I get tickets. So I, I'll take a sign ball, a bat, or whatever, and then if you make but, the World Series, you give me two tickets. I don't I don't hate that. I, that's a, it's not a terrible idea, but it's the Reds. So you're probably not going to get that uh, that opportunity. I'll just be totally honest with you. Reds haven't been in the World Series since 1990. Somebody says 20 years from now, and that kid now a college graduate. Well, he's he's older. He's like he's already a college graduate. Oh, yeah, that kid. That kid, you could tell, yeah, yeah, reflects back to what he could have had. He will just say a four letter word as he's telling that story. But you know, there's also a chance that this guy ends up not, you know, 
being much. He's highly regarded, yeah, I mean, but he may not be. That, that ball may not be valuable lot, in 10 years. A lot, lot of great prospects. Never now, Look, people are, are very high on him. They think he's going to be like an Acuna-type player, but we'll see. I mean, if, if if his career ended tomorrow, Acuna wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, okay, let's, 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 let's let it play out, you know? Where is Richard today? He, is he headed to call a super? No, he's playing golf. Hang off. <laughs> Has anyone bought a fillet of fish meal lately? I, I, lately, try never not once in life. No, I was glad to see that the uh, the eggs came back down though. I, I bought a eggs are back down. Bought a cart of eggs for two dollars you know, today. You know what's still expensive? My favorite cereal. I love raisin nut brand. It's very old man cereal. I understand That's that. Right. You know, I still get. I always try to get like one sort of healthy cereal, and then I get like a box of Captain Crunch. Yeah. By the way, cereal. Great breakfast. Not a lot of calories, as you know, especially if you don't add any whole milk to it. And but raisin nut brand is seven forty nine a box, and I just I can't bring myself. I can't pull the trigger on. No, that. that's still too that's high. too much for a box of cereal. It, it, I wonder what it is that's causing it to, to be like that. I don't, I don't know. It's either the brand, the the nuts, or the raisins. I don't know. I don't know which one is the most expensive. The regular raisin brand is only like three ninety nine. So I guess it's the, the nuts and the raisin nut Gotta brand be. that's the problem. Yeah, the slivered almonds are the issue. I spent way too much time researching chicken uh, husbandry and chicken coops because <laughs> chicken. I thought I was going to have to be a mi- I was going to be a millionaire with what uh, what egg prices got up to there for a little while. <laughs> Sell them to all my neighbors. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they came back down. Where it's okay. It's, it's going to be all right on Although, the eggs. I still think that it would be really nice to to walk out to the coop in the morning and get a half dozen fresh eggs. That, that oh, yeah. kind of sounds pretty great. Yeah. yeah, they got they got buy one get one free pork tenderloins at uh Ooh. at Kroger this week. You need, you need to go check that out. Thank you. Yeah, and buy one get one free of the family packs of thighs and legs on chicken. So if you're a chicken thigh guy, which I am, you can load up. We get this question. Did I tell you about? Oh, oh go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because I was going to change. So my the wife completely. found this grocery store in Grenada. She found it online. People were like, "The, the prices are ridiculous." Porky, five pounds of boneless chicken tenders, five bucks. Five bucks. So next five day. pounds of party wings, four bucks. Five pounds of chicken wings, four dollars. It's worth the drive. I'm just telling you. Hmm. I got ten pounds of wings and ten pounds of tenders sitting in my freezer right now. Was she just driving? Cost me twenty bucks. Uh, Well, no, she was. She was over that way to see her sister, and she heard about this place. She's like, "I'm going to stop and see if it's real," and it was. Dang. They got they got cheap stuff. Dave says I got a dozen yeah, eggs last week for a dollar thirty-five. Yeah, they're back. Yeah. That's now, a great deal. But now my millionaire idea is just uh, just gone away. It's gone forever. Everybody, everybody in that area obviously knows what it is. They're they're talking about it. Yes, it's called Spain's Spain's in Grenada. There it is. Just crazy prices. Tyler says gathering so, fresh eggs every day is freeing. I wish I could live your life, man. I really do. I want I want that so bad. I think my dog would, actually, I don't think I know, if I free-ranged him, if I let him out of the coop, Maverick's taking one down. Like, 
right away. <laughs> can't have that. You know, no. They got to be in the coop. Yeah, you, you, you can't. You can't have free range chickens when you own a dog that isn't used to chickens. Yeah, man. It, I don't have to worry about getting moles out of the yard because apparently, Maverick. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I know dogs have a sense of smell. That, that is impressive, and their hearing's really good, and, and he's a bird dog, so his is especially heightened. But how he can walk along my back fence and stop on a dime and dig three feet down and pull out a mole will never not amaze me. Between the dogs and the snakes, you got no issues. i got no issues, man. I, I'm, I'm good to no go. No rodent issues in Borky's back. You can't see? Richard is wrong on the snake thing. A snake is a welcome addition. As long as it's not poisonous, it's a welcome yeah. addition to your backyard. You know, just stay away from him. Let him have his little corner over there, and you're good. We got off into the weeds. We'll, we'll end with baseball because we got a question on the text line uh, about the Super Regional specifically in Hattiesburg. So we'll talk about that when we come back to wrap up the show. Thanks for uh, indulging us, guys. The text line's blowing up. Appreciate you having a little fun. Hey, it's June 8th, uh, so we had a good time, and I appreciate you being a part, but we'll talk some baseball when we come back. Okay, let's go to the junction in the grove and to the top. Don't yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. So we got this question. So, sir, if y'all have already covered this, we have not. So here we go. But have the rules changed about the host team for Super Regionals? In other words, is the host team the home team for all three games, as opposed to a coin flip for home in Game 3? As I understand it, the rules have not changed. One team will be the home team for the first game. The other team will be the home team for the second game. And they will flip for the third. I don't know for either, so we're just going to have to go with you on this one. As I understand right. it, that is, that is how they do it. Although, I still think, now, the Southern Miss-Tennessee situation is a little bit different because, according to Scott Berry, Southern Miss earned it not necessarily because of merit on the field. Now, their resumes were remarkably similar. Uh, Tennessee fans crying about how the resume is better are being goofy. Because when you lay out all the metrics, it's not. But anyway, um, Scott Barry said it came down to, you know, hey, we can fit more people and we'll make more money than they will. And that's kind of how it is. So I think generally the home team should, the host team should be the home team for every regional and super regional game. You earned the right to host it through your play. But as we've learned, the Super Regional site was not earned on play necessarily. It was more about money. And so is that fair to make Southern Miss the home team for all three games, if there are three games, when it was a money-based decision more so than a merit-based decision on the field? You're still the home team. 
I, I think what I think Coach Barry there is he's telling you the truth, but that's not what the NCA would have you believe. If that makes sense, like Scott Barry's not lying; he's correct. You know, the NCA is always going to take money into account, but they're going to tell you that oh well, you know, Southern Miss earned it, and they'll come up with a reason why. And I'll be I'll be honest with you; I think Southern Miss deserved it more than more so than did Tennessee. But, yeah, if you're the home team, you're the home team. So, yeah, I, I think it should be home away home. I think that's the way, you know, you should, you've earned that right. You are the super regional host. You should be the host of two of the shows, of the games. And I, I have a hard time arguing against that. Well, why is a coin flip the third game? I mean, if they're so dead set on making everything as neutral as possible, then why are you playing on on home sites? What, what's even the point of that? If, uh-huh. I mean, they take away all their traditions as well. I mean, it, you can't even make it a home atmosphere. Like, you can't have your walkout songs and play goofy Taylor Swift songs for the other team, even though it's your home stadium and it's your production people that are putting it on. Can't do that. Uh, it's to little things that they do when they put these tournaments on make no sense. For example, the the Southern Miss the the admin for the Southern Miss social media that that do game updates and they cut the highlights of the plays and stuff. They said during Can't regional they could only do four videos per game, four yep. highlights per game. Why are you limiting that? Yep. What 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 do you gain from limiting a team's ability to say, hey, check out this catch? Here's a link to the game so you can watch it. Why Why on earth do you think limiting their ability to share the game is better for you? I don't get it. It's the Hattiesburg Regional, not the Southern Miss Regional. Oh, give me a break. What? What do you, what do you want, man? S- sorry to be so condescending, but give me a break. Who, who, who cares? It's the Southern Miss Regional. They're hosting it. It's their regional. Going to get really technical. It's the super regional, not the regional. Oh, so it did change this year. So, so it's a new rule change this year. So the Miss will be the home team for all three games. It says good. Wow. Okay. Good. That's the way it should be, though. The home team should be the home team. Good. Well, thank you for. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I was right up until I was wrong. How about that? that there's your spin of the day. I was that's, right. That's how that works. Yeah. And, and, and until I, I wasn't. But anyway, that's true about everything, though. So yeah, uh, Richard. Uh, well, actually, Richard won't be there right away. Uh, but this show, with or without him, will be in Greenville. With or without you. Go ahead. Tomorrow. Starting at 3 o'clock. We'll talk a lot of baseball. You'll hear from some characters as well, including Steve Azar. But we'll talk a lot of baseball tomorrow as well. You excited? A lot of good stories it's, when it's we do a, this it's show. It's a yeah, party it, up there. You know, the last time we, we were at this event, Richard wasn't there. It yeah. was me, you, and uh, he who shall not be named were there. And uh, <laughs> it was Rippy. <laughs> and, yeah, we had a great time. We met a lot of cool people. Yeah. So looking forward to that again. See you guys tomorrow at 3. Have a safe rest of your night. We'll talk to you. We'll talk Super Regional Baseball tomorrow starting at 3. Good night. 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.